On November 11th, the day after the U.S. election, David Bazan released his first music video, The Trouble With Boys. He hadn't planned to, but it felt necessary. He was upset and called his manager, angry at Facebook. The day after the election, or a couple days, I called my manager and said, is there any way that we can just vacate this evil, evil place? Then he called his friend Kathleen. This is what she wrote with the release of Trouble With Boys. Dave woke up that morning, unclear how he would explain to his own daughter and son about what had just happened in our democratic republic, and realized he needed to put that video out now. He called me and told me he didn't want to sell records from this, or raise money for the film. He wanted this to be what it was, art that meant something different a month ago, and suddenly shifted overnight to take on a new purpose. Because that's what art does when we allow it to speak. It moves and changes and grows. You know, we just had it in the can, uh, waiting to use it as a promotional tool for the documentary. But then when Trump got elected that next morning, I woke up and I thought, i got to put this out right now. It, as a message to, to women and people of color and LGBTQ and uh, folks and just everybody who just got the message the night before that they didn't matter. In the next few minutes, we're exploring a journey from darkness to hope with the enigmatic David Bazan. It's a story of Christmas in a modern world. That's on this week's episode of Gritty Birds. Stay tuned. This is Gritty Birds, an X-Ray FM radio show and podcast, all about the grit behind successful artists and creatives. 107.1, 91.1 Portland, Oregon, and you can find me on all major podcast networks. My name is Jenny Ren Stotrup. David Bazan and I met on Skype on a Friday morning. I had just gotten news a friend had brain cancer, his car had died. We were having some audio troubles. Needless to say, it wasn't the best day. I just had fun pushing my car and being a spectacle for 15 other cars behind me at the stoplight, you know. And also just, I was a part of a little experiment. Like the week after Trump gets elected, I was pretty sure no one was going to get out and help a guy who looks like me push in Salt Lake City. And it was true. And I didn't, I wasn't bummed about that. I just thought it was just entertaining. It's all entertaining in a way. That's the thing I think I'm going to be most bummed about before I die is it's all been, it's so entertaining that I, I hate for it to, to shut off. You know? Since the election, Bazan has had a lot on his mind. Yeah, I mean, people, everybody's in just disarray right now. Even sort of pro-Trump people are, there's an uneasiness that I feel like everybody can feel. Um, even, you know, like my parents, they weren't on the same side of most, a uh, couple of key issues in the election, kind of for the first time. Um, yeah, it's it's a really traumatic period for all of us, and so I like that, um, that idea of, yeah, roll call, just like, all right, how's everybody doing? <laughs> Where's everybody at, you know? Um, 
and let's let's do it. You know, let's help each other process our grief and then turn that corner and make a better world. Um, he is one of those names that is almost mythic. There are some people who claim he was the seed behind the emo movement as a member of Christian crossover band Pedro the Lion. Then, Bazan left the church and the band. His albums afterward continued to explore dark themes, and the artist, a seeker of mystery and exploration, has continued to explore. This journey led him to the two albums he released this year, Blanco and Dark Sacred Night. There are, there are things that we understood innately in childhood that were beaten out of us by school or whatever, that now I find myself part of that process of making those records is to try to get those pieces of myself back, you know. The Trouble With Boys came out this year on his 2016 LP, Blanco. Much like helping his kids learn to process grief, he's also continually learning how to trust his own senses. It was in a moment of vulnerable songwriting that the idea of Trouble With Boys came to be. Um, I was camping in my van for a few years when I would tour solo. I built like a bed and a desk and a pantry and, and you know, so I could cook food and have a cooler and live in there. And so I was in my grandparents' driveway uh, after a Phoenix, Arizona show. Um, woke up that next morning and got up. And first thing, I just picked up the guitar and the first verse of that song kind of came out. And I didn't know why or what it was about. I had a, I have hunches about what it's about, but it really was just this picture of this girl, this kind of short, less a narrative and more like a little brief character study, I guess. And um, I don't know, I just really connected with this person, this this girl in the story. And, um, but initially I thought, this is maybe just for me. It's, I, I wondered if it was creepy, maybe, or... I don't know, I just didn't know. It just was really potent and it moved me, but it seemed like maybe it was just for me, that I hadn't really written anything that was... I don't know, early on I didn't even know what my body was trying to do. I maybe distrusted it a little bit or something. Bazan often mentions the words body and vulnerability. It's a theme that he holds recently. The song stuck with him and reemerged as an experiment. As the Bazan Monthly project kind of rolled on, the volume one, which is a thing where I put out two songs on the first of every month for five months. Um, I got to the end of, you know, to track 10 on that thing and I needed another tune. And that was the only one that was sort of viable laying around. And so I decided, well, the necessity of having another tune means that you just have to put it out. And so... I finished it and I did put it out and I was nervous about it. It felt like a risk um, for some reason. But then once it came out, I felt really happy about it. I was, And then I started to play it live and had some pretty cathartic experiences doing that. And, um, but yeah, it kind of snuck up on me and I kind of, I don't know, the process of writing that song Recording it and releasing it was a really quite a growing process uh, for me, right? It kind of followed my nose. And 
he finds the best songs give him an emotional response. One reason the song kept re-emerging to him. Um, you know, if I have an emotional response uh, while a song is coming to me, that's a pretty clear indicator that, I mean, more and more, I guess I'm trusting that. Like when I, when I wrote, when I initially wrote the beginning of Trouble With Boys, I had an emotional response. But at that point, I wasn't trusting those things to mean what they felt like they meant directly, you know? Like, this is good, mm -hmm. this is something that is worthwhile. And I'm learning more and more that I can really listen to my, my body about pretty much everything, um, and that I should. Basically, when there are weird chemicals that come up in a certain situation, that that's an indicator that I need to respectfully remove myself from that situation. And vice versa, like if there's a bunch of really positive feelings from somebody or a piece of music or whatever, that, that doesn't mean that it's going to work out, but that I can take that next step. You know, that I, can, I can listen. The track continued to take on its own life when the opportunity arose to make his first video as a promotion for their upcoming movie. Brandon uh, Vetter, the guy who I'm working on a documentary with, mm -hmm. wanted to make a video about it, I mean a, a, of it and uh, had the idea for my daughter running um, in slow motion at, as one aspect of the video, and then I would be lip syncing the other aspect of it. And I hate, I've never made a video before, ever, because, in large part because I hate the idea of lip syncing my own team so much. It's just utterly undignified <laughs> for some reason. So I had to come up with a way to do the lip sync portion that felt worthwhile to me, that there was a good reason for it, and it wasn't just like, you got to show your face because that's what people you know, want to see or whatever. And so then I came, I told Brandon, I could just be sobbing, you know. Thank you.
That was The Trouble with Boys by David Bazan. Right now, Bazan is on a U.S. tour. It's primarily in living rooms with a couple big stops on the West Coast. In the case of this tour, his body's intuition told him to move away from vulnerability and the new sounds that he explored on Blanco, but instead go back to the tried and true and explore the simplicity of his guitar. The beginning of the summer, I had made this record and I found myself needing to go and tour the record alone. I just had to make decisions based on what my body wanted to do. Uh, I brought all the keyboard stuff with me, <laughs> but my body, I just didn't want to get it out of the car. I didn't want to set it up. Like my body was just saying, no, don't do that. You need this other thing. You need to play the guitar and to basically the guitar is still the thing that I can play live and not have to think. The election has brought a dark cloud to a lot of people. It's something Bazan experienced a few years back when he left Christianity. But he's begun to find faith in other ways. When my, I had a you know, my big shift with faith where previously my faith tended to be in you know, the Christian tradition. Um, and then when that changed, uh, not too long after I was kind of confronted with a quote that I had heard before, but in my new context, it was really um, kind of scandalous to me. And that was, the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice. And Toward what? It's, it's towards justice. Toward justice. It's a, it's a quote that is attributed to Martin Luther King, but he, uh, I think, was quoting somebody else. But the, what was scandalous to me about it was I didn't know if I believed that was true. I grew up believing that the the poor and the downcast had this kind of cosmic protector that was going to ultimately make everything right. Uh, but then I didn't, I just have never seen any evidence of that. Um, and so that, plus a lot of other things, caused me to stop thinking that was true. And then I was left with, well, do you feel like that the arc of the moral universe is bending toward justice, even ever so slightly, you know? And it took me months to know how I felt about that, if I felt like I saw evidence that it was happening, um, and that that was potentially the way that the world was leaning, you know? Mm -hmm. and, um, and I got to the point where I admitted to myself that, yeah, I do think that, I do hope that, I do perceive that to be the case. Um, and so for me, I, I don't know where it comes from or what it's called or if there's a central sort of point of intelligence that is responsible for it, but I just see harmony and beauty in the world, and I think that they're native things that we can promote, you know, that we can reach for and that we can cultivate. I mean, you can have a tiny little garden and work at it and cultivate something deeply beautiful and transcendent there um, in the effect that it has on your psyche. And, and that beauty, that peace, that joy that's available, um, I don't know where it comes from, but it's available 
to all of us. And so I just I just believe that there there's a there's a fairness that the human consciousness is is leaning toward and longing for, like a basic fairness that even our parents, you know, and we'd say, that's not fair. And they'd say, well, life's not fair, you know? And I always wanted to say, well, but you've raised me in such a way that you clearly wish that it was. So why are you taunting me right now <laughs> with the fact that it's not? Isn't that what we're all doing? Yes, of course it's not fair, but that's what we're doing, right? Is trying to make it more just, more fair. In processing these ideas of fairness and vulnerability, Bazan has started a new recording project, going back to the cities he grew up in, in a journey toward healing with the past. Yeah, on the tour for Blanco, I happened to go through Phoenix where I grew up, and um, I was just, it's been an interesting year, a lot of sort of shifting um, foundations and things, and... uh, so it's just in a unique headspace, and I was, I you know, I go to all these places that I, that I spent time in as we moved around growing up. I lived in Phoenix and Lake Havasu City, and outside of Santa Cruz and outside of Chico, and then eventually Seattle, and and all these places. Whenever I pass through them or visit them, there's this, there are these pangs of longing that are kind of, you know, just bubbling under the surface and uh, when I was in Phoenix this summer I was in the headspace to realize oh this is just like full-blown unresolved stuff like you need to come down my initial thought was I need to come down there and drive around and be in the places that I grew up and really reckon with all of it so that I can process some of these feelings that are still lingering and then right after that I realized oh just you can just write a record (laughs) about that and then I realized oh there are four (laughs) more places just like this where I have I'm just parts of me are just locked up there you know and I need to go down and fix it or process and also it should be said it's not necessarily just going to be about me processing my stuff but in these places there's so many things to write about um so many aspects to cover and so I'm just going to find out I guess like I've been saying what my body wants to do about it I just make the commitment to go down there for X amount of time at intervals over the course of one year and make that record and then go to the next town and do the same thing
That was David Bazan's interpretation of Silent Night from Dark Sacred Night. 2016 has been a year of contemplation and change for Bazan. Much like anything dark, there are currents of goodness that inevitably find their way to the surface. Uh, the word vulnerability is pretty indispensable to me at the moment um, to describe things that I aspire to, virtue, that, vir- a virtue that I think um, we're really missing um, in our culture. Um, and it's a buzzword and kind of annoying, you know, but it does distill from, it does for me still describe something that I think is potent and is precisely the thing uh, that we need. And so I'll still use it as long as it's not utterly stripped of its meaning. Sometimes our realities change. Well, because the stories, they ch- you know, they change too. Like we each have our own analysis of what we think is happening right now. And on a podcast like this where you're conversing, you're bringing that to bear as best you can on the conversation. But that, even talking about it changes your perspective and starts movement in your head that, the you know, the listening to my body thing, like, almost in a therapeutic way of talking to a therapist about it, like I've been processing that while we've been talking, because I realize, yeah, you really do say that a lot. And what's up with that? Is that, a, is that a helpful thing? You know, I think it is, but I, I can do the work to keep checking. Well, it must be helpful to you right now, if that's what you're processing. It feels really helpful, yeah. I mean, it's, I, um, it saved me from a lot of extra and unnecessary uh, hurt this year. One of those collaborations is the movie he's been working on for the last couple years with director Brandon Vetter. It was this project that led to the filming of Trouble with Boys. The feature isn't exactly a traditional movie. Bazan doesn't like labels, which has brought up its own challenges. I just have to do what I do. And that makes it really hard to make a documentary about me (laughs) because they're trying to raise money for the thing and people say, well, what's it about? Well, it's about this guy. Uh, Well, what's the story? And it's like, there's tons of story, but to focus on a thing or to have it, I don't know, it's been a fun process. When we're, you know, him and I, and, and, and it's mostly just him and I and then a couple of other people have been around, but we're just making this movie together now about my thing and he's figured out how to talk about it to people that he wants to support the movie but even then you know we're still trying to tune in like well we know what it's about but how do we put a fine point on that for people and we even were talking about it yesterday i mean there's so much stuff and so much to include but figuring out the yeah, it's it's just been a it's been beautiful and fun and really organic and I think that the movie is going to be something I'm really proud of. Um, but we still are. He's basically shot everything and hasn't had enough capital to sit and begin the editing process. And that once that happens, that's when the thing will take shape and and we'll be able to start. We just have a lot of choices to make now. Um, but it's going to be a, 
I mean, we mean to make a weird movie, not like a, I don't know, we, we want to, the, the, the word fever dream keeps coming up. Um, there's a mad dash, like constant sprint to this thing, this job, the way that I've been doing it, that we're documenting somewhat. And so that's sort of the, that's the framework of the, of the movie, but the content is, I don't know, it's, comes from my, my brain and my life and, you know, things that I've spent my time doing, but we're going to, we've been digging deep in, you know, Christianity is a big part of it. And, um, so we've been digging deep into a lot of research about that so that our heads are on the same page and he knows kind of what to, what to capture, um, because he's informed about everything and it's a really beautiful process and one that I think is going to yield a wonderful movie, just that it's difficult to describe, I guess. Bazan's appetite for journeys, his exploration of body and vulnerability, have created a ground for a seed of hope that inspired his most recent release, Dark Sacred Night. It's a collection he's been working on for many years. Despite the desperation of uncertainty in the world, Bazan wants to reclaim Christmas. I don't want to say take Christmas back, but there are some things that happen at Christmas time uh, in terms of reflection that could be so helpful if we were all doing it, actually, you know. And so I'm kind of hammering that point home. It feels great um, to be playing these songs. And, and to be clear, I'm not playing all of the Christmas songs from the record, but just the ones that seem to fit right now. The, the most um, and then I have a bunch of catalog songs that also fit really directly with what's happening now so it's a blend of those so it feels like for me I've joked on Twitter and with friends that it's you know half Christmas half catalog all grieving all protest and that's the first two shows that I've played that's what it's felt like and it feels totally appropriate for right now like it's what I need, you know, to be doing every night, um, singing these songs and telling the truth about um, the best aspects of our culture and Christianity and the best things that we have to offer. There's still the best things that our traditions have to offer. They're still available to us. You know, we just have to choose them. Elections come and they end. We process and find ways to heal. Cars get fixed and we support friends who are hurting. And Bazan's voice is there. Steady, slightly dark, but ultimately projecting hope. It's something that allows him to come back to his childhood and find something that he can pass on to his children as well. That's what the show is for me, just a call and a a call to sanity and a comfort to people who feel like they're alone in this moment, feel like that they're marginalized or feel like they're less than. Yeah, it's just a message to all those folks that, like, you're not less than. Um, if you feel that way, are, and we can get them back to the right place. We can, you know. Yeah, it's a, it's a desperate call to sanity, and uh, I'm so glad to be doing it. You can find out about David Bazan at www.davidbazan.com. Dark Sacred Night is out now, as well as Blanco. Tracks featured today were from both of those albums. Thanks for tuning in to Gritty Birds. 
an X-Ray FM radio show and podcast, you can follow me on socials at G-R-I-T-T-Y-B-I-R-D-S. The full and mostly unedited version of the show will be up next week exclusively for my patrons on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash grittybirds. Gritty Birds is produced by myself, Jenny Ren Stotrip, with the amazing support of X-Ray FM. This week's board operator is Dan and Drips. The episode was transcribed by Chris Martell. Storytelling support came from Ryan Wolfstrude.